There's just something about strange, cryptid creatures that seemingly captivate the swamp. And just like all of you other swamp dwellers out there, I absolutely love a good, scary creature tale. Today I'm going to be sharing some allegedly true creature encounters sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at SwampDweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp and stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Before we jump into this story, I just wanted to take a quick second to let you guys know about something I have coming up very soon. If you aren't aware, I actually sing for a metal band called Burn Absolute, and from time to time we go on tour and play live sets for you guys. Well, from August 18th to August 23rd, I will be playing in the southeast in several different states. You can find more info to that in the description down below. I will have a link for you guys to click. It will also be in the pinned comment. I would love to see you guys there if you're in the southeast. I would love to meet as many swamp dwellers as possible. And I would love to get your thoughts on any of the music that we make. Anyways, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true and creepy stories. Wendigo in the Mountains by Anonymous This occurred in October of 1999 when I was in my late teens. My uncle invited me on a long weekend hunting trip to a cabin he rented out in northern Quebec. My uncle and I were very close, having similar interests, specifically hunting. Being an outdoorsy type of person, I agreed to accompany him. I left on Thursday night as my school was off that Friday. I won't disclose where the cabin is precisely located. Still, I will say that it is situated on the Laurentian Mountains north of Montreal and Quebec City, far away from any civilization. We arrived at the cabin sometime around dusk. The next day, my uncle took me deep through the woods to hunt some deer and moose. It was a brisk, excellent day when the leaves had already changed color. We agreed to split up, not wander off too far, and to remain within eyesight of each other. Unfortunately, I didn't find any deer or moose that day. A few hours later, the sky started to become dark as dusk approached and my uncle told me that it was time to return to the cabin. However, I noticed something out of the corner of my eye. It looked like a pair of antlers out in the distance. I couldn't estimate how far it was, but it was within my eyesight. I told my uncle about the antlers and he took his hunting rifle and aimed it at the deer. However, as soon as he was about to pull the trigger, the deer faced our direction. This was no ordinary deer. This thing had red eyes and looked incredibly angry. What happened next gives me chills. My uncle and I saw this thing. This this freaking thing stand up on two hind legs. What the hell? I thought to myself. It then faced its head forward before walking off into the woods nonchalantly. We then heard a loud, menacing scream. We both ran back to the cabin. We didn't know what we saw that day. Because of this, we decided to cut the hunting trip short and stay at a hotel outside of Quebec City for the remainder of our time there. My uncle and I agreed to keep this incident to ourselves to avoid sounding crazy, and I wasn't comfortable sharing any weird or strange events with anyone anyway. 
I have a right to my secrets. I have not returned to that cabin in Quebec ever since, nor do I plan to return. Several years later, I researched what I saw, and I believe what my uncle and I saw on that cold October day was indeed what people know as the Wendigo. Is that a werewolf? By L.G. I'm the kind of guy who likes to walk in the woods because it's normally peaceful. In my area, during the summer, it gets boiling. So I was going at night. I have grown up in this area for quite some time, most of my life. I'm currently 20 years old. A couple of nights ago, I went for a walk in the woods at night as one does in the summer. I knew I should have turned back a while before, but I got deep into the woods and it suddenly got quieter than usual. I was stupid and continued to keep going though. When I got about a mile into the woods, I came to a lake where people usually go fishing and sometimes I even see them swimming here. I was always too scared to swim there though. It was still eerily quiet. Not long after getting there, I felt something watching me. I might as well have been a sitting duck. Luckily, I did carry a knife in my pocket, but it might as well have been a kitchen knife, but it would do in any emergency situation. Thinking back to how large the knife was, it probably was kind of dumb and not very concealable. I didn't bring a flashlight either, so my only light was the moonlight. I didn't want to leave the lake area because I couldn't see what was watching me. That was until it came crawling out of the tree line. At first, it looked like a dog, crossed with like a man. Maybe it was a werewolf or, or something else. It was furry. That's all I could say for sure because my brain was focused on survival. I grabbed the knife in my pocket because I had no idea what this creature intended, but I was not looking to die that night. Now, I was trying to get the size of it, but it was hard for me to tell with it crawling. But once it stood up, this thing was easily six, maybe even seven feet tall. It was incredibly big, and it felt like it was staring right at me. So I did the only sane thing. I backed up, and I backed up as slow as I could. Well, that wasn't the most brilliant idea because I started backing up, and then suddenly it got on all fours and started sprinting towards me. Then I did the most dumb thing you possibly can in a situation like this. I turned my ass around and started running like hell. The creature was faster than me, a lot faster, so it caught up to me without even a second thought. And now I was back in the trees so I couldn't see much of anything, but I could damn well hear it. So I decided to stop running. I had already made myself look like prey, so I needed to make myself look like a predator. I turned to face my would-be attacker with my knife in hand, ready to go, and that helped me absolutely none because this thing was not in front of me anymore. It was gone. So I started looking everywhere, spinning around trying to find this thing. I thought this thing was probably circling me because I began to hear noises all around me. There couldn't have been more than one, right? And I genuinely thought I was going to die before I listened to this loud howl, which led me to believe that this was some sort of werewolf or dogman. I heard the sound of the creature retreating, running away from me, but I can say for sure I learned something that night. If you're going into the woods, have a gun with you and a flashlight. And if you don't hear anything in the woods, don't go any further. Turn around and leave right then and there. That was not a coyote. By Brett O.
I was walking through the woods at around 5 a.m. It was nearly daylight and almost to the ground blind I had set up a year prior. It was a quiet, peaceful walk aside from the coyotes yipping and yapping in the distance. I had heard them when I first got there, but I wasn't too worried. It was about a 25-minute walk through the woods to the edge of a clearing. I had gotten into my blind and took a quick nap as I had gotten up at 2 that morning to prepare for the trip bringing a 30-06 Remington 700 and a Uberti Colt Peacemaker clone in 45. At 9.30, I heard a squirrel start whistling. Thinking, oh crap, I guess it found me out, but as I looked around, I saw it flee, and it was silent for a few moments more before I saw a black bear walk by. I looked on in amazement, and saw how close it was to me, maybe only 15 feet or so away. Eventually it walked off. A few hours later, I saw a small herd of white-tailed deer, maybe five or six of them, and that's when I saw it. The most beautiful buck I had ever seen in my life. A beautiful ten-pointer. As I prepared to take out my 30-06 and make some dinner for tonight, I had struggled for about half an hour to get a good shot as it kept walking in and out of the brush. That's when a horrible smell started. As if it was a mix of vomit, rotting flesh, and vaguely the scent of sweat that smelled like Taco Bell, if you would imagine that. It seems like the deer had noticed it too, and they all scattered. In about a few minutes, the forest had become silent. This time, it was a deafening silence, quieter than I had ever heard before. I saw some sort of animal walking towards me. It was walking like a bear at first, but it wasn't quite the same. It had brownish fur patches around its joints and on its back. It had pale fur to the skin which faded on the rest of its body. It looked not quite malnourished, but very skinny, as if it was starving. Then its face left this horrified impression with me. It just... it just looked wrong. It stood up on two legs. That's when I saw the top of this deer skull and antlers that I think I had been looking at earlier. It was no deer I had been seeing all along. It was some sort of beast. This... this creature had a pale mate antler structure that was broad and flat. It almost looked like it had small spikes and points around the big antlers. The face was that of a zombie and a deer all in one. It seemed to have smelled me as if it were starting to walk towards my blind. It stopped about five feet in front of me. That's when I aimed center mass towards the heart. I shot around at it and hit it. I then pulled back my bolt and then forward again. That's when it let out a scream, a blood-curdling and evil scream. It sounded like an elk was trying to scream while its lungs had filled up with blood. I fired again. I saw it fall over and at that moment, I took my chance and ran through the trail back to my truck. While I was running, I looked back at it and I swear to god it was back on my heels in an instant. It swiped at me and I swear its arm almost looked human, but it had claws like knives, sort of like, sort of like the wolverine guy from the X-Men. I fell with a hard thud bleeding from my stomach as it lunged at me. I pulled the trigger again. Crap. I said aloud, realizing I hadn't chambered another round. As it lunged at me, I had the split-second decision to thrust the barrel into its mouth, which stopped and gave me a few inches of space between my face and its mouth. I knew I didn't have the strength to keep it up, as I was lucky enough when it slashed at me again, it only got my shoulder. I kicked it, then I kicked it again, and I just kept kicking as hard as I could. 
It finally let loose of me, and I crawled away. I realized I still had my pistol on me. Scrambling to get up and unbutton the holster, I shot the head just before it lunged back. I cocked back again and let out another shot. It fell, and then I let out three more shots out of instinct. I saw it fall seemingly lifeless. This deep, dark red blood started to ooze out. I fired the last shot I had into the back of its head. Deciding to leave my rifle there, I sprinted back the rest of the way to my truck. I quickly drove to the nearby hunting club and told them what had happened, and nobody believed me. They chose to check it out with me, and they kind of chuckled when we got there, because when we came back to the spot I killed it, there was no body. But the rifle was there, the barrel was bent, the stoke... But the rifle, it was there, with its barrel bent, the stock cracked and claw marks scratching all around it. Teeth marks were on the barrel, and the footprints of what looked to be deer hooves was seeping black blood, making a loop back onto the trail. We decided to follow it, and it happened to stop randomly about a hundred yards from my blind. With no more footprints, my buddy Hank asked me, What the hell did you shoot? I don't know, I replied. I thought I killed it. I put seven shots in it, at least three in the head. That's when we decided to leave and never go hunting in that area again. I picked up my destroyed rifle as a reminder to never enter the woods without a backup firearm. Now this land is for sale, and I have a couple of potential buyers. But I warned them with the rifle. It may hunt them too. The Michigan Gator Man? By Certified Burger. Now before I begin this story, let me first start by clarifying that alligators are not native to Michigan, which is what made me so skeptical about believing this legend until I had an in-person encounter with him. The Michigan Gator Man. A little backstory on my family. We recently purchased a house in a small town in Michigan's Upper Thumb, Caseville, Michigan was a quiet beach town famously known for its cheeseburger festival. It seemed like a family-friendly town and a perfect place to spend summers. Everything was excellent the first year or so of living there, and then we began to hear whispers around town about the legend of what I was supposed to believe was the Gator Man. We figured it was some form of hazing that people did to new people in town and brushed it off. On the 4th of July, the town had fireworks, and about 12 of us decided to sit on the sand to view them. Our street had access to a private beach, so we were the only ones there that night. Everyone else was on the public side of the beach in the distance. My cousins and I were having a great time, actually, dancing to the music and just goofing off in general. Then, we hear something coming towards us in the distance. It's a low growling sound. We stare, but we don't see much because it's very dark along the water. Either way, there's a big group of us, so we weren't too terribly threatened by it. At this point, the crickets stopped chirping, and any voices in the distance became muted. Even the waves of Lake Huron seemed to hush. It became dead silent. My cousin Kurt points toward a low growling sound, and he says that there were two yellow glowing eyes growing in size as something was coming towards us. The loud crash of fireworks pulled our attention away from whatever it was, and when we looked back, it was seemingly gone. 
We began watching the fireworks show and soon forgot all about it. Our attention is pulled away from the fireworks as sand flies over our heads from behind us. All of us whip our heads around to see it. A figure of a man stands in the dark. Only once the flash of fireworks illuminates him enough to see what he truly is. His skin seemed to glow in the light. He looked skinny, almost scaly. We couldn't get a great look at him because of our light source. It was flashing in and out, of course. The grand finale of the fireworks began and we glanced away for just a split second. And suddenly, a splash of the water happened. This weird man was gone. After the fireworks show ended, we all decided this was pretty creepy and didn't stay at the beach for much longer. I tried to rationalize how he looked in the light. And maybe just thought he had a nasty sunburn or some sort of, I don't know, skin burns or something like that. The following day... We headed back to the beach to look for any evidence that could bring some sense to the situation. And just to be safe, we got our dog with us. What we found made our skin crawl. Leading from the sand to the water was what I could only describe as gator tracks. But here's the kicker. A piece of driftwood was floating in the water next to where the tracks led. And it looked to have some sort of odd scratches and bite marks on it. I moved to get a closer look and my dog instantly began growling and refused to walk any closer. This made me uncomfortable enough to listen and to head back to the house as fast as possible and get as far away from these tracks as I could. That night, my cousin and I decided to go back to the beach for an evening swim, but mostly to look for the gator man. I now understand that this wasn't the brightest idea, but we were bored and wanted to figure this thing out. We reached the sand using our phone flashlights to look for any sort of evidence. But we didn't find anything interesting, so we swam in the water. We were in the water until our cousin felt something brush up against her leg. As our initial shock was settling in, our eyes began adjusting to the dark water. We saw some air bubbles and immediately felt the tension in the air. A tall figure slowly emerges from the water in the moon's light. Those same yellow glowing eyes met mine for a not so appreciated second time. He was angry and we needed to leave this water. We knew immediately this was, this was his beach and he had the upper hand, especially in the water. We booked it back to the house, never looking back to see if it was following us. I still can't visit that beach to this day. I still see those glowing yellow eyes when I close my own. I don't know what the Michigan Gator Man wants but I feel sorry for those who find out. Mississippi Dogman by Pam M. Hey, Swamp Dweller. My name is Pam. I live on the northeast corner of Mississippi, less than 10 miles from the Tennessee and Alabama state lines and 70 miles from the infamous Taylor, Mississippi. My granddaughter, who is 11 years old, had an encounter with the cryptid a few months ago. Let me describe what happened and what she witnessed. Sometime around 11 p.m., we returned home from the county fair here in Alcorn County, Mississippi. My home is approximately six miles from town in a relatively rural area containing lakes, trees, and fields used for anything from tomatoes to soybeans and even cotton. My land is almost 20 acres. We have our home, a barn, a shed, and a lake about 200 yards from my house. 
The rest is trees and a few cleared out pieces. Anyway, back to Saturday night. My granddaughter, A, decided to walk outside to find her kitty before she went to bed. My husband and I were already in bed and why she went out without waking one of us shocked me, but she didn't wake any of us up. She didn't even wake us up when she returned after seeing this thing. She did get in bed with us and slept with us that night and the next night. However, the following day while fixing breakfast, she walked into the kitchen and said, Mama Pam, y'all have some kind of strange dog out there. I asked her what she was talking about and here is her answer. When I went outside to find Kitty, I started walking to the front yard and saw something huge and white. I thought it was a dog. When I got closer, it looked more like an old, bad, skinny grandpa. He was walking on his hands and legs, and then it got up on its back two legs. It looked around and it saw me, then it ran toward the barn. Mama Pam, I ain't never seen anything run that fast. I asked her if she had seen the face of this thing, but she told me that she did not. She didn't get to see it long enough to see any real features. She said it only looked toward her for just a few seconds, and it was too dark to make out any discernible facial features besides that it was bald. I know my eyes were as big as saucers. I knew what she had seen wasn't anything from around here. She told me it was very skinny and again bald, and it looked like it had trouble even walking on all fours, making it hard for her to believe that it could run so fast. She said on all fours it was jerky, but it wasn't like that when it was on just two legs. I told them I thought it was a crawler and could not believe she didn't come screaming for me and my husband to wake up. She said at the time, and in her 11-year-old mind, she didn't consider it harmful because it was frail and seemed to have such a hard time walking. But she did say that when it took off toward the barn, it was lightning fast. She said that's when she got nervous. She returned to bed with my husband and me when she saw how fast it actually was. I know she's telling me the truth because she's never been exposed to anything that would even remotely give her an idea for this story. Not to mention, she doesn't really lie to be honest, and she slept with me and my husband for the next few nights as well. She's really not a kid to make up things. She's down to earth, a cheerleader, a soccer player, a softball player, and an all-around, well-rounded kid. I hope somebody listening to this in the swamp can answer these following questions. Have any of you ever heard these creatures anywhere else around Mississippi, Tennessee, or the Alabama areas? She has a four-wheeler, a bicycle, and does a lot of outdoor activities. I'm scared to let her go do those now. Are we in danger? Thanks for sharing my story. Too afraid to go out outside by myself now as well. Something stalked our campsite. By M. J. Hello Swamp Dweller and anyone who may be listening to this. I am a long time listener, but this is the first story I have ever submitted. It has bothered and spooked me for almost a year now, and I would love any input that anyone has on it. Last year, around June, I was camping in the middle of nowhere Arkansas, with my boyfriend James and his friend Lane. We were generally having a good time hanging by the creek, building a fire, and listening to groovy tunes. We continued to hang out into the night, and were all partaking in some drinking. This makes the next part of the story seem unbelievable, but trust me, it was just as incredible to us at the time, and we were there. We were all sitting around the fire, when James and Lane spotted a small fire off in the distance. 
This was strange since we hadn't noticed anyone camping nearby all day. We ignored it for a bit and continued having a good time until we all went to sleep around midnight. I remember waking up sometime a little bit later feeling immediately confused and frozen with fear. It was still dark. I turned to James who was already sitting up and listening intently. I heard sticks cracking just outside the tree line, just outside of the tent. I realized that there was either a person or some sort of creature walking around outside. Couldn't tell you if it was a bear or a wendigo or some sort of freaking spaghetti monster. All I know is that we sat up frozen in silence and unsure if we should be afraid or not. Suddenly I heard someone attempt to open my car door. It was locked. I heard two distinct pulls on the handle and then an urgent whispering. James and I froze. We thought it had to be people at this point and Lane was alone in his tent about 15 feet away. We sat waiting for whoever this was to leave with bated breath. I was terrified because of what happened next. I swear, these voices, they sounded human, but the way they were going back and forth almost made them sound ethereal. This was, this was something weird. The whispers initially started with things like, this was a bust and these guys didn't have anything suitable to steal or something along those lines. Then, we heard a third voice come out of nowhere saying, maybe we check the tents. Frozen in fear again, we waited as long as we could, in full anxiety mode. My mind was relieved that I heard their heavy footsteps approaching the fire that we had seen earlier. Now you might be wondering why I'm sending this in under the cryptic category. Well, that's because in the morning, when we looked out to see if there was any sort of footprints or anything like that, there were none. No footprints, no feet prints, no shoe prints, nothing. Also, when I said that the voices sounded ethereal, it almost sounded like they were whispering right in our ears, but somehow we could hear them all the way across to where our car was. And on top of that, we did hear a lot of rumors about, you know, gnomes, fairies, trolls, all sorts of weird things that are said to roam these sorts of areas. So maybe it was something like that. Or maybe it was just a band of thieves who were incredibly light-footed. I couldn't tell you. What I can say is, though, we were all super freaked out, since those people, creatures, or whatever, could have severely hurt us if they wanted to. But we were relieved that they thought of our stuff as worthless or whatever. We decided we would not be camping anytime soon in that area, though. That wasn't a bear. By Anonymous. It was Friday, and I had nothing to really do, so I went around town to find anything to entertain myself, until I saw in the community hall type of building a flyer on their board that stated, Firewatch needed from ages 16 to 50 plus, at Anonymous Forest for Privacy. I took a little card with the number on them and hurried home to tell my parents about it. They were ecstatic for me because the pay was also a lot judging by the number of days I had to work. On the first day of work, I was told to meet at a little house where they would give me a run-through. I was also told that if I received calls from hikers that talked about some sort of goat man to ignore it because there was always a group of teenagers trying to start rumors. But if a hiker called me and said that they were lost, and I have to turn on the set of headlights to lead the hiker towards me, 
Still, if he was in serious trouble, I could find a page in the manual about how to deal with a particular situation. I couldn't have the headlights on for too long because of budget problems. I was met with a big plastic box with MRE food when I reached the tower. Now that I got that out of the way, let me start with the story itself. They allowed me to have my phone for obvious reasons, so I had access to what time it was and all those good things. Most of the time, I just stayed in bed. They prepared me with my phone on low volume, so if I heard anything, the sound of the cell phone wouldn't bother the sound of a phone call because the station was used for long distance and had a low ringtone. As soon as the time was midnight, my parents called me on my cell phone. They sounded very excited, and we talked for about 30 minutes before hanging up. As soon as I hung up, a shiver went down my spine as I heard the awkwardness of the silence I was greeted with. I was going to think about taking a nap on the bed or something, but as soon as I did, the phone rang. I answered at 1.23am to a very distressed sounding man, as it sounded like he was in a very, very quick hurry. He told me, Yes, hello? I think I'm being chased by a bear. I said, Tell me your location and maybe I can direct you towards me. He said with a more distressed tone now, There's a lot of rocks around the trail and, uh... I interrupted the man to tell him to lower his style and calm down. Right, yeah, sorry, uh, these rocks around the trail and I think, I think I see a climbing wall. I looked at the map and saw the man was relatively close to my tower. So I turned on the headlights that were directed on the direction towards him and asked him if he saw them. He said, Yeah, yeah, I see them. Still, that's the direction the bear was coming from. It was like he was trying to lead me away from the tower. I flipped the manual and found the right answer. I told the man, Okay, sir, there should be a small gun in the lodge where you get the climbing gear. Can you see the lodge? The man said with a slightly more happy tone, Oh, yeah, thanks. He found the gun. He made his way quietly as possible to the tower. But suddenly, the headlights went out. I heard him say, Oh, hell. And I heard him on the call running for his life out of nowhere. It's not a bear. It's not a bear. Help. After he said that, I heard two gunshots outside the tower. I said, hello? Sir, are you there? Then I heard a loud static sound from the phone before it hung up abruptly. I knew it was after me next, so I ran with the heaviest thing I could find to block the stairway and barricaded the door. I sat in the corner of the room with the rifle and ammunition that was prepared for me. I sat there for five minutes until I heard scratching on the bottom of the tower. For the record, this tower was made from thin, rusty bars, so it was easy to hear anything that was scratching at the base of the building. I stayed there until daytime. I quit immediately and swore to never go there ever again. I've never heard anything about that. I don't know whatever happened to that hiker, but I don't think I want to know. Skinwalker or Not Deer by Anonymous This took place just a few years ago. I was in my late teens driving home at about 10 p.m., this was a typical shift for me, and I was not too tired. I know exactly what I saw that night. I lived somewhat out in the country, far enough to be on septic, but close enough to be on the county's water system. It was not irregular to see wildlife at night. Elk, deer, barn cats, and even occasionally dogs. I've been living here for quite a few years at this point. During this specific time, one neighbor had a bad habit of letting his dog run free on the side of the road. I love animals, so I would always pull over and call the number on his collar and get him back to his owner. Anyways, I am driving home. 
I'm nearly about one block away and maybe three turns total from my house. I see this figure at the corner of my eye. It looks like a medium-sized dog at first. I roll down my window, turn down my music, and start calling out to this dog. Hey, sweetie, come here. It seemed very shy, as it would not look at me, and its body language was very timid. I kept trying to speak sweetly to it to let it know that I was not a threat. It looked a little skinny, seemed to have short gray hair. I really wanted to see if I could help it, maybe find its owner or get it somewhere safe and fed. It finally responds to my sweet talk and turns to face me. My stomach instantly dropped. This is probably going to sound crazy, but it had a human face. The best way I could describe it was that of a Teletubby. I really wish there was another way to describe it for the sake of my credibility, but it just had no distinctive features, and its head was still shaped like a dog. It did not make any faces, any noises, and it did not speak either. I was so taken aback and surprised that I screamed, what the hell, and sped off. I was even more scared because my house has a gate that I need to open to get inside and I did not know if this thing was following me or anything. I never did look back, and it did not appear to be chasing me after when I sped off. I feel bad about it to this day. I wish I did not react the way I did, but I do not know if I was in danger or what. Seeing something like that, something you cannot explain is the hardest thing to try and express via text. I do not know how to further explain it, but I really cannot stress enough how it did not make any facial expressions, noises, speech, or anything. At the end of the day, I was the one going out of my way to mess with it, and I was out of pocket in doing so. I have not seen the thing since. I just honestly wish I could change how I reacted, and I really wonder about it all the time. I did some mild internet research afterwards, and I have not been able to find any experiences that resemble exactly what I saw that night, and it's really making me feel nuts. Maybe it was something slightly different than a skimwalker, but that's the closest thing that I can think of. The Horse-Faced Skimwalker by Michael M. There's a logical explanation for everything. Well, that's what my father always said. Of course, he doesn't know what happened to me and my buddies while camping nine years ago. Why should he? Adults and most especially parents mistake traumatic events as an overwhelming experience for your age. Or something that your brain can't handle. Or simple imagination. But what happened to me those years ago still scares me to this very day, and it was no imagination. I had just graduated high school, and me and my friends were about to go our separate ways in life. It just felt too soon. They were already talking about careers and colleges, and this scared me because of the thoughts of never seeing them again were very overwhelming. So, when I suggested the thought of a week-long camping trip for one last get-together, they all said yes. We would usually camp in the woods near glacier-filled lakes deep in the wilderness, but for the last get-together I wanted to do something special. We were going to try camping in a section of land known as Sand Wash. Sand Wash is a large extension of land mostly consisting of desert that stretches over the border of Colorado and Wyoming. In the wintertime, Sand Wash was a cold, harsh environment that would chill you to the bone. But the summer was a whole different world. It was, well, just picture desert, I guess. In the summertime, and you got the picture. We graduated early in the summer, so we still had some time before the hot temperatures rolled in. Sand wash was beautiful. The red-colored rock and the pattern of wild horses give it a vibe like no other place that I have ever camped. We spent a while planning the trip from how much food we needed to exactly where we would be camping. 
The stay would be for around a week if not five days, which would mean we were going to have to pack a lot. After packing and deciding the spot where we would set up camp, we set off to Sandwash. Sandwash was not too far from where we lived. It was only around a two-hour drive, and the roads were easy enough to navigate. Once you hear the bussing of dirt bikes and all that good stuff, you know that you're not too far away. Then, you start seeing the greenish-blue sagebrush, and you know you're getting very close. It was me and my three other friends, and for privacy reasons, I'll be calling them Jack, Ryan, and Jacob. All four of us inched closer and closer to the gate that separated us from the country in Sandwash. So, I stepped out of the car while everyone else waited, and I undid the metal crate. Then I hopped back into the truck and drove into the desert. The roads were extremely rough, almost like they haven't been used or have been overused. We could hear all the stuff in the trailer bumping around and shuffling around due to the massive rocks and bumps in the road. Everyone was doing that thing five-year-old kids do when their parents drive over bumpy roads. They make that annoying vocal noise that goes up and down. I thought it was childish at first, but then I eventually found myself joining along. We had reached the turnoff on the dirt road that led us to the site we were camping at. This road took us very far from the main road and even closer to the border of Wyoming. The road didn't look too bad. There were some divots in the road, but nothing worse than the one we had just driven on. So, I made the gentle swerve onto that road toward our campsite. After an hour of driving, we could start to see our campsite in the distance. It was situated in the side of a small sand and mud-covered mountain that had a clearing wiped clean of sagebrush and rocks. After driving closer and closer, we noticed a foul stench that grew stronger and stronger. It smelled like a rotting carcass that has been stuck in the sun all day. Jacob, whose eyes were watering at this point, started gagging because of how strong the aroma had become. The stench was so strong that all of us started gagging as well. Now, the smell was most likely the rotting body of an antelope or something like that. The desert here doesn't get too much water, so I could comprehend the possibility of a dead, dehydrated antelope. So I just stuck with that and thought that that's what it was. I thought it would go away once we reached the campsite. After three and a half hours of a bumpy and stench-filled drive, we made it to the site. It was smaller than the pictures looked, but it had enough room for all of us. Without a single word, Ryan opened the trailer and was quickly buried by the misplaced objects that were thrown around while driving. Instead of helping him, we just stood there laughing our asses off because of how stupid he looked. I think he even cracked a smile despite being underneath the grill. Eventually, we all got our cool and started helping him out of the mess and started laying everything out. Our tents were spaced out about four feet apart to where we wouldn't be able to hear each other snoring. At around 5.30, we had unpacked and were already getting dinner ready. We were eating smoked barbecue ribs for dinner, which the stench of made our mouths water. We kept all the food that we needed preserved in a suitcase-sized cooler that weighed roughly 70 pounds with ice in them. Soon, there was no sound and light except the lanterns and Christmas lights we had hung around our campsite and the old wireless radio we had. We all sat around the campfire telling stories and figuring out what we were going to do with our lives. After eating, which filled us up plenty, I told Jack, who was also the chef and in charge of food, to put the ribs in the cooler and put the ribs away in the trailer. He said alright with a boozy and drunk tone in his voice, even though we didn't bring any alcohol with us. So we all got in our tents and said goodnight to each other. 
Weapon-wise, all I brought was a 22. I didn't want anything really crazy, but I also wanted something for protection, you know? And a 22, regardless of what anybody says, will take you down if you get a good shot in you. Ryan did see me packing it, though, and asked what it was for, and I, of course, told him. And he replied, So if we get bored, we can shoot some gophers or something? I said in a playful but decent tone, but I was lying, if, and he knew it too. When I woke up during the night, I felt like I was drowning. It was like the air was being sucked out of my body. And when I smelt that god-awful rotting corpse smell, but ten times as strong, I started vomiting and gagging due to the stink it gave off. I could hear everyone else puking inside their tents as well. But what scared me even more was the sound of ice being poured on the ground. The cooler, somebody said. It's a goddamn coyote! I clenched my fist with the rage of Jack not putting the cooler away like we asked. And just like that, our camping trip is ruined. I slept next to the 22 and stuck it out the small hole in the tent. I had a blind shot, so I stuck the barrel in the air and fired a warning shot. I heard footsteps scurrying away. I knew it left. What really scared me is that the footsteps sounded bipedal. It means whatever it was must have been walking on two legs, and it sounded heavy. Each footstep could be felt in my chest. It sent shivers through my spine. I just haven't experienced anything like it before or since. I jumped out of my tent to see nothing but blackness and firelight illuminating the empty cooler before us. I don't remember what the hell happened. All I remember is sitting there staring into the desert. Ryan and Jacob were both yelling profanities at Jack, and I just sat there speechless, just wondering what the hell had broken into our campsite. A human wouldn't eat raw ribs fresh out of the cooler, and certainly wouldn't walk away towards an active campsite and steal from someone. So, what were we dealing with? The next morning, we checked the damage to see nothing but the spilled ice now a puddle on the ground. We left that to Jack, but me and Ryan were talking about what happened last night. We came up with some theories, but decided that it was probably gone and not coming back knowing that we have a weapon. So, I mostly forgot about it, and we just went back to exploring our area and horsing around. We played cards and made sandwiches for lunch, and scouted the area. Eventually, we saw the sun sinking below the horizon, so Jack fired up the grill and started getting dinner ready. We sat down and started playing a bunch of songs by Glen Campbell. Everyone else seemed relaxed but me. I had an uneasy feeling that I was being watched, but I couldn't tell from what it was. But then, we heard the coyotes. Their graceful howl always calmed me down. Their yapping at each other and their howling for whatever reason was calming to me. But then, one of the coyotes made a completely different noise. It sounded as if it were being ripped apart. Limb by limb, eye by eye. Just the most brutal noise imaginable. It was the noise of suffering and pain. It made us drop our forks and wonder what just happened. We heard one more scream from the coyote and then complete silence. The silence was the worst part. No noise at all. This desert was dead silent. All you could hear was the cackle of our fire. It was as if someone muted everything around us. There was something wrong with the desert and we all knew it. We lost our appetites. The thought that something could rip apart an animal like that just didn't sit right. If it could rip apart a coyote, well imagine what it could do to us. Suddenly I didn't feel safe at all, like the 22 in my tent wouldn't be enough. Jacob was on the verge of tears. 
I have never seen anyone so scared before. We sat there, just listening to any noise, but there was nothing. Just silence. So, we decided to sleep it off and wait for daylight. I awoke again with the feeling of drowning. The powerful stench was too much to bear, so I took it out on puking. It was that thing, looking for food once again. I figured that if this thing would return to our campsite, it must be related to the coyotes we had heard being ripped apart earlier. I wanted to see it, but I didn't want to stick my head out of the tent and be stuck with a mental regret for whatever I would see. But I decided it couldn't be too bad, so I unzipped the small window of the tent in frozen horror. It, it was a man. But as my eyes adjusted and it came closer to the firelight, did I really understand? It was no man. The skin was pale with bare spots of exposed flesh. It looked extremely malnourished and skinny. It had a long streak of dark brown hair running down its spine. Its fingers were each around the size of a pencil and just as thin. But the face... The face is what struck me the hardest. It looked like the face of a man, but stretched out and elongated. Like the face of a horse, but with the details of a man's face. It was pure evil. The way it moved, the way it looked, as if it were uncomfortable in its own body. An amalgamation of everything you would expect to see in hell. Almost like every time it moved, it broke a bone in its body. It was tall. Very tall. At least ten feet tall. I was no further than four feet away from it. My heart was beating faster than it ever has in my entire life. I was crying, sobbing like a baby. After snapping myself out of the shock I was in, I slowly bent down to grab the twenty-two, knowing if I miss it will see me, and there's no telling what could possibly happen next. I was shaking so bad I had to press the gun against my chest to get a steady aim. I slowly unzipped the tent window zipper and fired. I hit it alright. It stood up and ran into the desert, on two feet. It scared the living crap out of me. I was not going to step out of that tent. There was no way in hell. What if it came back? What if it ripped open my tent and ran off with me in its grasp? And then... came the scream. It was horrible. The sound came from all directions, blowing out my eardrums almost. It sounded like someone was trying to make a woman scream, but out of the tune of a violin. It hurt my ears more than anything I've ever heard. There was no sleeping that night. I was wide awake, fully alert to anything and any sound that came by. But nothing further happened. Nothing at all. I was so scared that even in daylight, I was scared to step out of my tent. Everyone else looked sleep-deprived and scared for their lives. I figured they saw it too, but I didn't want to ask them. So we packed faster than we ever had before. No one said a single word for the entire drive through the sand wash. But when I stopped to pee, I started to smell that foul aroma that covered whatever that thing was. I didn't have any time to pee, and I just decided to hold it. We drove back to the paved road, which felt great because we knew we were out of there for good. On our way back, we stopped at a gas station to grab some food and use the restroom. I walked up to the cashier and she asked me if I was okay. I didn't say anything but wondered why she asked. It was because my hand was still shaking so badly. She must have thought I had Parkinson's or something. Upon making it home to my parents, and they asked me why we came back so early, 
I told them that there was... There was just some stuff that went down. You know, there was too many bugs and too many people in the site, even though it was rather remote. I don't know. I just didn't want to tell them about our encounter. I don't know what I encountered. A skinwalker, maybe? But I'm not going back to find out. I've never told my story before because I thought no one would believe me. But after discovering your show, I wanted to submit my story so other people can hear it without me telling them. Me and those friends meet up every now and then. But that is something we specifically avoid. We refuse to ever talk about it. It's something that still scares us. A Michigan Monster by Anonymous Hello Swamp Dweller. Since you seem to be on a Michigan kick recently, I wanted to share my encounter with what I believe to be the Dogman. As a teenager, I lived on a small farm north of St. John's, Michigan. As I often did, I walked the fence row with the neighbor girl. By then, we walked with a large female wolf dog who had been around for quite some years. She was more than a dog, she was a family member. I had never really known her to show any aggression in all of those years. She was just a big black wolf looking dog with some extra sass. Typically, she would circle around about 30 yards as we walked, letting out an occasional yip or yap to let us know she was watching. But on this late September day, she stopped directly in front of us, looking in the direction we were walking. Head dropped, hackles raised like a mohawk, big white teeth all showing, and let out the strongest, longest, most threatening raspy growl I had ever heard any dog make. Then out of the corn, about 40 yards ahead, was a large, black, wolf-looking creature with golden yellow eyes. It stepped out from the husk. It had the overall structure of a dog with long human-like arms and a long bushy tail. It had to stand at least seven feet tall, maybe even more, as it stood slightly hunched. Even so, it was almost as tall as the mature corn around it. It seemingly sniffed the air in our direction, let out a low growl that seemed more like an acknowledgement more than a threat, dropped down to all fours as it turned, and easily jumped thirty feet into the woods. With a crash through the brush, it was gone. My dog instantly relaxed and returned to us. We headed for the house, and this was the last time we ever walked in that area of the woods. I, I feed animals all the time. I always carry my shotgun with me loaded. To this day, the neighbor and I have spoken together about what we have seen, and I wonder if she ever told anybody else about it. After doing some research online, watching a ton of your videos, and hearing many upon many stories, I believe what I saw that day was the Michigan Dogman. I can't prove it, but hopefully somebody listening to this can relate to my story. Super Speed Skinwalker by Veiled Joy Hey Swamp Dweller, as some background information about me so you know I'm not just saying random fantasies or don't know what I'm talking about, I am currently in the army. I've been hunting and fishing my entire life. I'm almost 30 years old and I have lived in the states overflowing with wildlife. 
such as Colorado, Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana. It's safe to say that I know what I am seeing when I say that I saw something that was not a normal animal. Now that that has been said, I'll continue to the story, which I swear on a stack of Bibles is true. A couple of weeks ago, I was taking a trip to Montana and Idaho to visit some family while on military leave. My wife and kids were sleeping while I was driving through my home state of Idaho at some time around 1am. Moving with kids is much easier at night since they are asleep and not screaming to stop every 10 minutes. About 4 miles outside of the town of American Falls, I had a massive coyote dart across the interstate in front of our car and narrowly avoided getting hit. Now when I say massive, I mean this thing was damn near the size of a timber wolf. And yes, in Idaho, we do have timber wolves and I have personally seen them 40 miles to the east from this location. However, timber wolves and coyotes look incredibly different, so I knew it wasn't any wolf. That alone was not enough to scare me, but I was kind of freaked out since I was driving at 90 miles per hour. The speed limit was 80 through most of the state, so now my senses were heightened. And looking around like crazy, I saw the said coyote chasing the car and keeping up with us for the next 26 miles until we hit the town of Pocatello, where I guess it got tired of chasing us or whatever. I don't know why it stopped, but as soon as I hit Pocatello, it seemingly just left me alone. Something I should have mentioned is that all the roads in Idaho have a ditch on the sides, so it's not like it's flat terrain. It's to help with the snow melt and rain which is where the skimwalker, coyote, whatever this thing was, was chasing us. It's not the most insane or scary encounter, but I swear it's true. If you do choose to share this, I appreciate it, but either way, it's off my chest now, and that's some relief already. Thank you, Swamp Boiler, for sharing my story, and anybody listening to this, if you have any idea, please let me know in the comments what I may have seen. An Unknown Creature by Anonymous I was camping in the woods with some friends when we encountered something that still gives me chills. It was late at night, and we were huddled around the campfire, telling ghost stories and roasting marshmallows like you would. Then, out of nowhere, we heard a strange noise coming from the trees. It sounded like a low growl at first unlike any animal noise that I was familiar with. We shrugged it off and continued with our night, but the sound grew louder and more frequent as the night continued. I was, uh, and still am, not a wildlife expert, so I tried not to freak out, you know? But finally, at one point, we heard something moving in the bushes nearby. We shone our flashlights toward the noise, but couldn't see anything at all. It was too dark and too dense with the trees and brush. As the night progressed, the noises grew more and more intense. We could hear something moving around our campsite, but couldn't see anything in the darkness. It was something... There was something there. It was watching us, stalking us from the shadows. It was a feeling that I just don't know how to describe. Eventually, we did decide to pack up and leave, and we heard some sort of blood-curdling scream coming from the trails as we were gathering our stuff. It was a sound that made our hearts stop in terror, and I instantly got cold sweats. Again, we could feel something watching us, waiting for us to make a move. It was such an intense feeling. We ran back to our car as fast as we could. We could hear something following us, just a few feet behind us, 
The creature, the thing, the person, whatever it was, was right on our heels, breathing down our necks. We finally reached the car and sped away with our hearts pounding. We still don't know what kind of creature that was. I have no idea what was lurking in those woods that night. It's something that I probably won't ever know, and will probably remain unexplainable, and still haunts our memories and makes us fearfully shiver. But I'm just glad that I survived. Witch of the Woods by Rat Pants Here is a little bit of background information before I begin the story. So this story takes place in Pennsylvania, a couple of hours outside of Pittsburgh, about four years ago. The wildlife in this area consists of deer, squirrels, groundhogs, bears, and the very rare mountain lion. I mention the local nature as I, I can pretty much identify most of the things I see, but I can't identify precisely what I saw this time. But I know it wasn't any of those animals I previously mentioned. To begin my story, I walked a utility vehicle path in the woods near my grandparents' house around 10.30am on a warm summer morning. I have walked this path often and occasionally, I do still walk it, but always with my pistol now. As I walk this path I am intimately familiar with, I look off to my left and notice a footpath I had never seen before. So I think to myself, cool, a new path, I'm gonna check it out. Being incredibly familiar with this particular patch of woods, I was surprised I had never seen this path before. Especially considering I had walked this path nearly every day for the past two weeks as I was staying at my grandparents' house. But vegetation growth does weird stuff in the woods sometimes, and the neighbors occasionally cut new paths. So I only thought little of this new path, to be honest. So I decided to veer off the utility vehicle path and explore this new footpath that I had found. This new path immediately ran into thick trees and vegetation cover, and goes into the trees about 10 feet, then slopes down a hill deeper into the trees and flattens out near a small stream running across the path. I can see most of this from the edge of the utility path, except the other side of the stream. Before I go onto this new footpath, I immediately stop after stepping a few feet into the new direction. The air gets cold. Initially, I thought this was because I had just walked from a bare vehicle path with the sun pounding down on me into the middle of a cool, heavily wooded area at a lower elevation. So I did try to pass it off in my mind as some sort of science. However, I should have turned around right then and left, thinking back on it. Hindsight is always 2020, isn't it? Instead, I head down the slope of the new footpath that I had found and cross over the little stream. After the stream, the path starts going back uphill and snakes back and forth just a bit, almost unnecessarily in some spots. About halfway up this hill, I get this particular feeling that I shouldn't be here and that I'm being watched, and that I look around, but I don't see anything weird, so I try not to freak out more. But now that I notice it's not only cold, but also quiet, I can still hear a couple of insects buzzing around, but that's really it. I brush it off and continue, determined to explore this newfound path. Just as I'm about to crest the hill, that, that feeling that I shouldn't be here hits even harder than before, and I realize that there is no more sound in these woods, aside from my footsteps. I stop and think. Now, I've seen horror movies and listened to scary stories on YouTube, and I know that I shouldn't be here. 
I have to get the heck out of here as soon as I can. So I turn around and return the way I came. At a moderately hurried pace. Not running, but I'm not taking it easy either. I pass the stream, and I feel like I'm absolutely in danger. Something is in these woods with me, and it does not want to be friends. So I do a quick turnaround, a 360 if you will, while I'm walking fast back up the hill I came down. And I swear, I see something dark and lanky shift behind a tree off the path where I just was. I don't know what that was, because the vegetation was so thick, but I wasn't trying to figure it out. Now, I know what you're going to say before we move forward. It could have been my mind playing tricks on me. And, trust me, I did my best to breathe in and out slowly and calm down. I knew that I could be making stuff up, so I needed to rationalize. From what I could tell, it was standing on two legs, near black and almost skeletal skinny. Or at least, that's the way it looked from how far I was. It looked to be about five feet tall. Though, at a distance, and at the speed of which it had and hit away, I don't know. As I said, I didn't get a great look and I didn't really stop to find out. Upon seeing this thing, I decide that it was time to get out of there before something bad happened. I started sprinting up the hill back to the vehicle path, still feeling like I was in danger and being followed. I can hear something following behind me off the beaten path as well. I can hear a brush being crushed under something's feet and it definitely was moving bipedally. I returned to the vehicle path and slowed it down just a bit because I felt a bit safer on my familiar route. Not wanting to turn my back toward the direction of whatever the thing was in the trees, I walked sideways, facing the side that the new path was on. Oddly, the air was still colder than it should be. I could feel the sun on me, but there was still a chill. I was 100% being followed by something. Still, it never broke the vegetation line or crossed the vehicle path so I never got to get a very good view of it. Not that I wanted to. Still, I saw it shifting and tracking me behind the vegetation the entire half mile back to the path. It took me quite a minute to get back to my grandparents' house, but once I got there and stepped through and got out of the woods, it almost felt like everything came back to life. All the colors, all the sounds, everything seemingly flooded right back in. My grandparents lived near those woods for a very long time. The woods are ancient, for sure. My first theory is that it was some sort of fey creature. My second theory was, well, it might be some sort of uh, Bigfoot or Skimwalker or maybe even something called a Crawler. My grandfather used to tell me stories about some sort of witch who lived down there as well, so I'm not entirely sure. It seems like it could fit the bill for quite a few different creatures, but I'd love to know what the people in the swamp think that this thing might have been. A Forest Spirit, or Worse, by Anonymous. Hello, Swamp Dweller. Thanks for reading my story. I must start by saying that this story falls about average, or maybe even just slightly average, on the scary meter. But it is a strange event that I found discussion-worthy. So maybe some of you will rate it high on the strange meter. I lived in the third house at the end of a dead-end road just outside of a small town in Ohio. Many strange and dark things happened there. Maybe I will share those stories in some other videos. But one night, I was left perplexed by something I saw from my bedroom window. This old house did not have central air. Although I had a window unit in my bedroom, I liked to shut it off and open my window on cool, breezy nights. I loved listening to the sounds of nature, 
surrounding the dead-end road, there were many miles of woods. Seeing coyote, raccoon, possum, and deer were an everyday occurrence. There were many times throughout many nights where the woods would go silent. I would think most of you know when the woods go silent, there's usually a predator of some kind nearby. One night, I had my windows up. It's after midnight and I'm just browsing Pinterest on my phone, when the woods suddenly go quiet. It seemed like five minutes or so before I actually noticed how long everything had been silent. You could have heard a pin drop. Normally the woods would go silent for a couple of minutes. Being curious and wondering if coyotes were sniffing around my front porch again, I got up and looked out my bedroom window that faces the front of the house. Now at this time, I can't remember if I had started listening to these kinds of podcasts yet, so I'm not sure if I had heard your stories about wendigos or not deer creatures. Listening to one of your latest podcasts made me remember this event and realized what I saw may be one of these creatures I've been hearing about. For context, the road from the front of the house was paved and went straight into a portioned Y off into our driveway to the left. The other portion went straight ahead to the right and the Y turned into a dirt and gravel road. When I looked at the window, everything was still silent and I was surprised to see what appeared to be a very large and lonely buck walking down the middle of the road towards the dirt road straight ahead. I watched it, finding it strange that it was alone. Normally, when you see one deer, there's at least a few close by. As I watched it walking towards the dirt road, I thought it looked strange. First off, I'll admit, I'm no hunter, but this buck looked to be massive, easily two or three times larger than what might be considered average. Not only was it incredibly large, but the way it walked. It was like it was being worked like a string puppet or like it was in some sort of trance or maybe even how a soldier would march. It never turned and looked at me. It never made a sound. I just stood there, rubbing my eyes in disbelief trying to figure out what the heck I was seeing. I was 100% sober during this, just a heads up, and I hadn't really smoked a drink at all at that point in my life. Just as I was reaching the point to where I wouldn't be able to see it anymore from my window, I looked around. I'm not sure, maybe I was trying to see another deer or something. This was only for a second, and when I looked back, it was gone. There's no way it could have left my line of sight that quickly. That's when I realized I never heard his footsteps. This thing actually never made a sound. And just then, suddenly, the wood sprang back to life, and I almost jumped out of my skin from being so spooked. I just stood at my window, feeling bewildered. What the hell did I just see? Whatever it was, it was definitely not a deer. This thing made the forest, which was usually very loud at night, go dead quiet. The way it walked, its size, how it just disappeared. The whole situation was just so bizarre. I thought about telling my roommate what I saw, but he was a non-sensitive person and not a big believer in the unknown. Although, a year or two later when the house was being renovated, he started to believe. But hey, that's another story. So, there it is. My not deer sighting. As I said, it's not necessarily the scariest story, but it's definitely a head-scratcher. Do any of you have a similar story? Can anyone tell me what they think I saw or what they think the not deer was doing marching down the road just to disappear? I just have this sickening feeling that if I made a sound or engaged with it, the situation would have escalated. I was always under the impression that there might be a portal on the property for spirits or unknown beings to come and go through. Is that what the not deer was doing? Just taking the portal back to hell for a dinner arrangement with Satan? Please share your thoughts and stay strange.
Something Ain't Right in These Fields by Anonymous. So this story takes place in southeast Texas within 100 miles of Houston. I was in college but had moved back to my parents for a semester after some roommate drama. My parents live out in the country, miles outside of town, with some acreage. The land in the back consists of four zones. You have the backyard with the friendly St. Augustine. The back, which is a section of woods my parents cleared of underbrush and keep reasonably maintained, and the rear back is a clearing we used to do bonfires in and have parties and stuff in high school. And then there's woods for miles. After high school, my parents gave up on keeping back the brush and weeds from anything except their excellent backyard section. So, imagine a backyard fenced in by a wall of tall weeds and large trees that go back for miles, and then a field of giant weeds transitioning into solid, dense woods with oak, some pine, yupin, and briar. I also had this dog my parents let me keep outside. They had a big chain-link dog run she lived in since my parents did not like dogs inside. This dog was not the type to stay in one spot anyway. She was aggressive to other dogs, always going after them, acting tough, and I sometimes worried she'd go out and kill the neighbor's chickens. She was about 60 pounds and not a jumpy or scared dog at all. Since I was in college, I had no curfew or anything and would always come home late at night or early in the morning after hanging out with friends or studying and whatnot. On this night, it was rather cold for Texas, being 50 degrees, and even though she had a house and a bed and straw out there, I felt bad for my dog, so I decided to bring her in to sleep in the garage. I should have been more careful because this happened quite a bit, but somehow this dog always got me. She would wait in the back until the gate was unlocked and I was in the run. Gate closed, unlocked, horseshoe latch, run around me, pop the gate latch with her nose and bolt off. So of course, she did this and my dumbass was left standing in the run in the cold in the middle of the night. I was pissed because I knew I had to find her and bring her back. The moon was pretty bright and I had seen her fly into the weed wall and disappear, so I followed her without a light, calling her name. There were some little trails through the weeds and we tried to keep open access to the property, but these were less wide than a person could walk. The weeds were about a head taller than me, so it was dense. Anyway. I'd gone a ways in and had passed through the wooded section into the clearing. Probably five to eight feet tall were these weeds that I was walking through. I got quiet, listening, trying to hear sounds of where she might be, and then I heard intermittent rustling throughout the woods, which are just simple tall dark outlines of trees at this point. Couldn't really see anything since the weed jungle. The rustling wasn't the sound I expected since she's usually crashing through the woods. I'm thinking. What the hell is she doing now? Honestly, I thought she was probably rolling around in some dead skunk, and I would have to bathe her. Figuring it was my wild-ass dog, I make my way over toward the noise, calling out her name again. As I got closer to the rustling, it was not the sound of an animal charging through the underbrush, but more like something intentionally shaking the trees. Like if you grab a tree branch and just shake it. All the connected trees and vines would shake. I was close enough now to make out individual branches silhouetted by the top of the tree line, and I could see whatever was causing the trees to shake up to the top. This was off, and decided that this was definitely not my dog prancing around. I shut up and froze. I hear in all these stories people talk about how they notice when the woods go silent. Honestly, I can't even remember if this happened, but I heard two or three loud deep huffs as I stood there, 
It sounded like a bull, but with a deeper fluttering. Not like the tonal sounds a cow makes, but the deep, heavy exhale when they're defensive. It seemed to come from around my head height. My mind took this and registered it as that this thing was a lot closer to me than the tree line. I also remember the distinct feeling that this noise was directed at me. I got this terrible feeling in my gut, like whole body fear and panic. Rational or not, I yelled my dog's name with all fear and urgency, you know when your voice gets higher and louder at the end, and turned and ran as fast as I could. Either my dog heard my tone and got scared or she was afraid of whatever was going on in that tree line too because I crashed through the weeds and she came up on my left from a creek and flew past me like a bullet. When I got to the open garage, she was trying to get in the back door to the house, jumping like a crazy animal. I closed the garage, put her in the kennel, and went to bed. I don't know what it was, and at the time I convinced myself it was one of those hogzillas you hear about on the news. I've been around plenty of cattle, and have never heard one make that noise. Not saying it couldn't have been one, but something didn't feel right. This was 10 years ago now, but I know that I'm still going to think hard about it every time I go back to that property. The Thing on the Farm by T.D. This story is about an encounter my friends and I had at my friend's farm. To this day, we still can't explain what happened that night. My friend's mom dropped us off at their farm with our guns, bags, teepee, cooler, and whatever else we needed to survive as 15-year-olds alone in the woods. The farm is mostly pasture, with about 5 to 8 acres of woods in the back corner. There is a barn, pump house, and old run-down chicken houses in the front corner of the entrance. Now you can't quite just drive straight to the back of the farm from the entrance. You must go between the chicken houses, through the gate to the pasture, and then back to the fence line. When we get in my friend's gator, with all of our gear, and head to set up the camp in the woods, we set up our teepee, and put our bags and hunting rifles in it. We brought with us two semi-automatic 22s and two hunting rifles, bolt action. We shot a couple of pigs in traps, but didn't do anything special till night. We waited till it was dark outside to go hunt for raccoons, possums, hogs, and whatever else we could find to shoot. We hopped in the gator with our 22s, and for good measure, we sat about 30 to 40 yards back from the deer feeder, searching for the slightest noise hoping to get a raccoon. We were sitting there for about an hour or so when my friend, in this confused tone, whispered to me and our friend to look towards the barn. At first, we thought nothing out of the ordinary was happening, but about 15 seconds later, a bright light came on, then went off about 5 seconds later. We all gave each other the same look. Did you see that too? My friend quickly remembered that there was a light on a power pole by the entrance. We watched from about 200 yards away as the light went on and off. We were pretty sure it was the light on the pole, but that quickly changed when the light moved about 50 yards to the right. At that moment, I cranked up the gator and floored it to the chicken houses with the lights off. We are on the opposite side of the chicken houses, and they are about 100 yards long. Now, even though I floored it over there, I was confident whatever was at the entrance couldn't hear us come as the gator is very quiet and you can barely hear it unless you're within 30 yards of it. 
They get out, and I take the hunting rifle and steady it on the steering wheel and scope out the area to look for movement. Now, it was dark, but there was enough light from the moon to see the barn. I didn't see anything, but as soon as I stopped looking through the scope, the light came on again. Right next to the pump house, I quickly got out of the gator, and we quietly made our way through one of the chicken houses. I switched guns with my friend, because I'm better with iron sights and I can shoot faster that way. He went behind the chicken house with the rifle and watched us through the scope as he could see everything from where he was. So, he acted as an overwatch as me and my friend cleared the barn. Then, the other chicken house. Then as we made our way to the pump house, we had seen the light next to the pump house before, so we were confident if someone was there, they'd be in the pump house. We got on either side of the door. I motioned for my friend to come over as he had the most powerful gun. They got on the side with the handle. One with a rifle, the other with a flashlight, and I got the other side. We all knew what we were going to do. I was going to swing the door open and they were going to sweep the room and make sure nobody was in there. I nod to make sure they are ready. They nod back. I hold my fingers. Three, two, one, nothing. The door was locked. We looked at each other in confusion. My one friend stays at the door with the 22 in the flashlight while I and my other friend with the rifle run to the barn to get the spare key. He lifts the rock and turns to me in shock saying the key is gone. We ran back to the pump house and tried to think of what to do. My friend and I get right in front of the door with him and the flashlight and me with the 22. My other friend pounds on the door yelling for whoever yelling for whoever was in there to come out and we wouldn't call the cops if they came out peacefully. Which was a lie, of course. In Texas, you don't come onto somebody's farm in the middle of the night and hide on their property and expect to get away free and uninjured. We waited, but there was nothing. We walked back to the chicken house talking so that whoever was in there knew that we had left. We waited in the chicken houses for about an hour and a half, each of us in different spots, split between the chicken houses. We waited, sights focused on the front door, just waiting for someone to come out. After an hour and a half and nothing, I motioned to my friends that I was going to go up to the pump house and listen. I quietly made my way up to the pump house, making sure I didn't step on the gravel. I crept up to the door and put my ear against it, my knife pressed against the door, ready to stab whoever was in there in case they tried to attack me. I listened for about ten minutes but heard nothing really. I quietly made my way back to my friends and I told them I was going to get the gator and told them to keep watching the door. On the other side of the chicken house where the gator was was an old feeder. As I got in the gator and started to slowly creep past the feeder, the grass started making noise like something hit the metal feeder with a thud and a scratch like somebody was running around the feeder to chase me. I punched it, spun the tires, and got to my friends as fast as I could. I didn't look back, which was stupid of me, because now I don't know what was there. When I got back to my friends, I told them what happened. We rode back to the feeder. Two of us stayed in the gator, one on the side of the feeder, and the other hopped out as quickly as he could and checked around the feeder. We didn't see anything. We didn't find anything. We rode back to the camp and talked about what happened. It was now about 11 at night and we talked for about an hour and then all went to sleep. At about 2.45 in the morning, my friend and I woke up. We both looked at each other. We were hearing footsteps just feet outside of our tent, somewhere in the tree line. 
I grabbed my 22, which I kept loaded for security reasons and safety reasons, obviously, after everything we've experienced, and my friend grabbed his knife. The footsteps lasted about five minutes, and we were frozen in shock. We were honestly too scared to do anything. We were too scared to talk, too scared to go outside, worrying as soon as we stepped out, our heads would get blown off. We didn't go back to sleep for about 30 minutes or so, and it's a miracle we even fell asleep. When we woke up, my friend's mom was already at the farm, and we packed up as quickly as we could and got out of there. To this day, my friend hasn't found that spare key. We can't explain what happened that night, and I don't know if I want to. Thanks for listening to my story. I know it might not be the most terrifying story ever shared on this show, but I thought I'd share it because it was downright strange. White Creatures in the Woods by Memphis Bassist I have seen hundreds of these things at night in the woods in the rural areas of Memphis starting around 2020. They are tall humanoid creatures with blacked out eyes and move slowly and in strange jerky movements. The first time I saw them was visiting a veteran friend who was down on his luck at about midnight on Thanksgiving Day in 2020. He lived on his brother's property in a rundown camper vehicle at the edge of the woods. Between his camper and the tree line, there was the remains of an old trailer that had been destroyed by a tornado some years back. It still had a streetlight on top of the pole that used to run electricity to the destroyed home, and on the other side of the bar was approximately 15 yards or meters of a field that then eventually turns into a dirt road and splits in half with tall grass and brush on the edge of the far side and the other area being nothing but trees. When I first started seeing these creatures, I thought they were people hiding at first, as they seemed to be grouping more in the darker areas where the light of the pole was not as bright. So I asked my friend about them, maybe he had some squatters or something that were just drugged out, and he shrugged it off and said that this is actually not a squatter. This was something he had been dealing with for a long time, they were always there, and it didn't really bother him because they didn't do anything really. He also told me that no matter what you did, you could never really get close to one. So, being a combat veteran with two deployments under my belt and a firearm for my vehicle, I did just that, I attempted to approach these things. As I got closer, I noticed they were solid white creatures with these weird black eye sockets that moved in a jerky but prolonged manner. There had to be at least 50 or more of them in that field, down the dirt road and at the edge of the tree line and beyond. Determined to let something mess around and find out, I continued to walk towards them, and all of a sudden, they all looked at me with black, empty-looking sockets and instantly caused me to feel more fear than I ever have. I did not approach them that night. I simply turned away, left that area, and took my buddy with me to stay for a few nights at my place because I did not want to leave him there alone. Since the first time I saw them, I have seen them about a dozen times, always at night and around wooded areas at all different locations. I have since tried to run and catch them and failed many times because these things disappear the moment I close in within 5 to 10 yards. Anytime I lose direct eye contact, even if it's just a mere second, they're gone in a mere flash. They can phase in or out or something like that. It almost seems like they're interdimensional. If you can get in close, you can see that the weird jerky movements are a part of their arms, legs, and heads disappearing and reappearing in different positions. They disappear anytime they move, so they have not been seen walking. 
I have tried to shoot these things many times for my AR-15, but it just seems like no evidence is ever left behind. These things do make audible noises that can be recorded, but does not appear on video from a cell phone or old analog camcorder with cassette tapes. Animals also seem to see them. However, I have tried to show them to people, only about half of those I have shown have actually seen them. I have wondered if I'm losing my mind or if anyone else has ever seen these creatures and tried other experiments. I have searched all over the internet and found a few cryptids that share one or two similar things but nothing close enough for me to be satisfied. The only comparable thing was the origin of white zombies, sort of. A few people have told me about this shape-shifting creature, but they don't change or bleed. They are different sizes, some are larger, some are smaller, and usually they are in groups. I like to call them family clusters, and typically there's four to five of them, usually with two taller ones and one or two smaller ones. Please let me know if you have any ideas of what these could be, or if you have ever heard of something like this before. My Encounter with Something Horrible by J. Mad. Your podcast is how I get through my workday, so thank you for what you do first and foremost. So, to tell my story, a few little backstories need to be told leading up to it. My parents were nurses that worked a lot, so I spent most of my time with my grandparents who lived in a missionary community in Georgia. This meant that I had a strict Christian upbringing. When I was seven years old, I had a horrible nightmare. This would be the first time that I would see whatever this thing was. In my dream, my dad was at work in the emergency room. It's hard to explain what it was like as a person, but at the same time, it had no distinguishable features. I saw it walk across the ER waiting room and put its hand on my dad's shoulder. My dad collapsed right then and there having a heart attack and died. I woke up screaming, absolutely covered in sweat. I wouldn't stop until my mother called my dad at work and got him on the phone. My dad told me that he was just fine and to not worry. However, my dad took my warning very seriously and asked one of the doctors at the hospital that night if they wouldn't mind just looking at him. Unfortunately, my dad did have a heart attack right there with that doctor. I still can't explain how or why, but if my dad had not had his heart attack and looked around at that moment, he would not have made it. When my dad came home from the hospital a few days later, he sat me down to talk. They told me not to tell anybody else about my dream or what had happened. He said they wouldn't understand especially my grandparents and the people at the mission. He said they would fear me and think I was some sort of witch or evil. So I kept my promise. A few other times as a kid, I just seemed to know things, little things like car wrecks or things that would break down very small. I was also cautious around my grandparents after my dad's warnings. Although I grew up Christian, I believe that science can explain everything. Science hasn't caught up yet, so anything outside the known science is supernatural. I've had a lot of what you could call paranormal encounters over the years, and maybe I will get to some of those stories at a later date. But for now, let's go to August 2018. My dad, the previous year, had a surgery to remove a cancerous mass. He had 10 good months. Then one day he called me and my sister and I, and he was at the hospital. I had to come immediately. My dad had been admitted, and the prognosis was not looking good. The cancer was back, and there was nothing they could do. My dad was sitting in the chair in his hospital room and I was sitting in his bed talking to him. Standing behind him was this human-like shadow creature I had seen in my dreams years ago. 
Even though it didn't have a face, I could tell it was looking at me standing behind my dad's chair. It had one hand on each of my dad's shoulders. I didn't tell my dad what I saw, I knew he would die, and I could do nothing about it. Call it death, call it an angel, whatever you like, the entire time we talked, this thing just stood there. Finally, my dad started telling me he was so tired, and he just couldn't do this anymore. I told him it was okay, I will miss you, but it's okay, you can go. I looked up at the creature, and I said it's okay, he can go. The best I can describe is this thing nodded at me, and the whole room gave me a feeling of understanding and acceptance. I helped my dad get into bed, he closed his eyes, and that would be the last time we would ever speak. His body held on for a few more hours. After that, they would let us take him home so he could die. My family and I rushed home while my mother stayed at the hospital to prepare everything for my dad to come home. The hospital bed had just been delivered and everything was set up. My dad was loaded into the ambulance with my mother. It's a 20-minute ride from the hospital to my parents' house. Fifteen minutes after my mom said they had left the hospital, I was waiting next to the front door. When I looked up and saw the thing again, it looked at me. It looked at me and I completely lost it. I started crying uncontrollably and then the phone rang. Finally, I got my tears under control enough to answer. I said hello. It was my mom. She told me your dad just took his last breath. I looked at the creature again. It put its hand on my shoulder to comfort me and seemingly disappeared. It would be three years before I would see the thing again. My mother fought COVID for 14 days at home. Finally, on day 14, she called me to say she could barely breathe. Please take me to the hospital. She wanted me to come so that someone could sit with my disabled little brother. My mother held on, but they put her on a ventilator on day 7. My mom did not want to be on a ventilator, so for 14 days I fought the hospital. They finally agreed to take her out of the ventilator, my older brother was finally coming up from Florida to be with me, and the hospital agreed to remove the ventilator the next day at around 11. My brother got to my house at around dinner time. After dinner, we were all so exhausted we went to bed at 2am. I got the call that our mother's vitals were dropping. It would be best if you came now. With COVID, you weren't allowed in the hospital, and I'm still so grateful they let me in with my brother. I arrived at the hospital, and at first, security would not let me up, but the ICU doctor informed them that I was coming anyway. Once we got into the ICU, of course, all the COVID patients in their classrooms were isolated from the world, but what I saw there shook me to the core. This creature, that thing that I have seen take my dad away, was once again there, ready to take my mother. But... This time, I swear it was accompanied by others, and they were better to find. The others looked more like shadows. They were standing in front of certain glass rooms. I was terrified that they would kick me out of it if I said anything, so I didn't react. I just looked at them, and it looked at me. They gave me a chair to sit in front of my mother's room, and through glass, I watched her vitals slowly braid down. My brother came up, and they put a chair next to mine. The thing stood there behind us with one hand on our shoulders. It's something that you almost can't feel. It's like a slight chill on your shoulder. It almost feels like there's a little breeze, but it's not noticeable enough to really freak out like if somebody's actually grabbing you. Eventually, the doctor came to us, let us know that she was gone, and the shadow was gone. I believe there's a scientific explanation for everything, and maybe we just don't understand it yet. But I definitely saw some sort of creature, unknown cryptid, or just some sort of spirit. I couldn't tell you. I don't know if the thing is dead, an angel, a ghost, a guardian, or if I have that type of intuition 
that just lets me see dark energy. Sometimes, though, I like to listen to your stories on this podcast because it makes me feel less alone. Perhaps, some other time, I can tell you about the attempted exorcism they tried to perform on me once. UK Cryptid Encounter by Marco B. I am a South African man living in Motherwell, Scotland, UK. I am 42 years old and have lived in the UK for 18 years. I moved here in September 2004. Now, I never really believed in cryptids. This is because I was raised as an average, science-believing individual. I was always told to think that you only believe in a creature's existence when it has been cataloged and its DNA is on record. In 2004, I moved to the UK and at the time I was living in a town north of Liverpool called Southport. It is in the Merseyside in the northwestern part of England. It is the typical sleepy English seaside town. Several weeks after I had moved there around Christmas time, a bunch of my friends and I decided to visit a forest area in the countryside nearby a town called Formby, which is just north of Liverpool. Now, the Christmas time of year is freezing gray and bleak, so when we arrived at the forest, got out of our cars, and walked about, it looked very eerie like something out of those old Dracula movies or a Bram Stoker story. Not long after arriving, we began to hear these weird howling noises, and it really did give me the creeps. My friends told me not to worry about it, it was probably just the wind or something, but that did not make me feel any better, and something really just did not feel right to me. So, I looked at the treetops and they were not swaying about at all. I pointed this out to them, but they told me not to worry. Things are just fine, according to them, but I just felt like something was terribly wrong. Anyway, this weird howling sound continued, and then the sound started to become like primal grunts, deep and guttural, like that of a great African ape. I could not believe it. I was in frigid England, in the middle of a forest, hearing these ape-like grunts. I started getting twitchy. I was starting to get anxiety and freaking out. I had not seen anything, but I was sure this was something feral and not something natural. So in this bunch of friends, there was a fellow South African. I told him, Herman, does this not sound like apes or monkeys to you? You know, like the ones back home in Africa. He listened for a while. Then he said, Yes, you're right. That is exactly like the monkeys and apes in Africa would sound like. With an absolute look of bewilderment on his face, our friends laughed and said the monkeys had followed us from Africa. And as they were laughing, there was this loud howling, bellowing scream which seemed to fill the heavens, the forest, the ground, the trees, and our very bodies. Finally, they stopped their laughter and we got out of there as quickly as possible. We drove out of that forest at top speed and spent the rest of the day at the dunes nearby Formby. There, we knew we would be safer because there were more people around and more civilization. It has been many years since this has happened, and I moved about until I settled in Motherwell, Scotland. And even though I have never seen anything physical, and that day all I did was hear things, it must have been something very big. It made such a terrible sound that I don't even know how to describe it. It is a sound I have never heard before, and I have never heard it since. But if I did listen to it again, I would instantly recognize it. 
Since then, I've become more open to believing cryptids and animals and other things that we don't know about. I have not told many people my story since it happened, but when I do, I get the old nod and roll of the eyes like, say, okay, crazy, and then everybody just kind of moves on with their own camp stories. I just, I just don't know how to explain it, but I do hope you share this story. Something Lurks on These Highways by Anonymous I've been an over-the-road truck driver for over a decade now, and I've seen some strange things on the highways and byways of this great country. But nothing, and I mean nothing, could have prepared me for what I saw this one night. It was a dark and stormy night, as cliche as that sounds, and I was driving down an isolated stretch of highway. The rain was coming down in sheets, making it hard to see more than just a few feet in front of me. The only light came from the headlights of my truck, and even they were barely cutting through the thick darkness. As I rounded a curve, something caught my eye. A figure stood just ahead of me in the middle of the road. I hit the brakes, trying to avoid hitting whatever it was. As my truck came to a screeching stop, I peered out into the rain trying to get a better look at whatever this thing is. That's when I saw it. Now, it wasn't a person, or even an animal. It was, uh, it was something else entirely. It was tall and skinny with long arms and legs. These legs, they seemed to stretch forever. It was, it was sickly pale. Its eyes were bright red in the darkness. I froze, unable to move or even speak. I couldn't conjure any words. I could not believe what I was seeing in front of me. Was this some sort of monster? A demon? Or was I just hallucinating from being on the road for too long? The creature started to move towards me and I panicked. I slammed on the gas trying to escape it quickly. But it was way too fast, way too agile. It easily kept up with the truck, matching my speed stride for stride. For an eternity, I drove down that dark and lonely road with that thing chasing me close behind. I could hear its low growls over the engine and roar, and I swear I could almost feel the sensation of it breathing on my neck. Finally, I saw signs for a rest stop up ahead. I took a chance, swerved off the road, hoping to lose the creature in confusion. As I pulled into the rest stop, I looked back, expecting to see it, following me. But it was gone, as if it had never been there at all. I sat in my truck for quite a long time, trying to calm down and make sense of what the hell had just happened. Was it real, or was it just my imagination playing tricks on me? I may never know for sure, but one thing is certain I'll never forget that night or the terror that came with it. A Wendigo Nearly Ended Us by Canadian Bacon 443 I remember the day vividly. My friends and I decided to take a mountain biking trip through the rugged terrain of British Columbia. It was supposed to be an adventure of a lifetime, but little did we know that it would become a nightmare. We had been riding for quite some time, at least three or four hours, and the sun was setting behind the mountains. We were in the middle of nowhere, and the darkness was creeping up on us fast. We decided to take a break and set up camp for the night. As we settled down, we heard a strange noise in the distance. At first, it sounded like a low rumbling sound, 
But as we listened and it got closer, it became more apparent that it was a low growl, almost like some sort of animal. We tried our best to ignore it and chalked it up to the wilderness, but it grew louder and more persistent by the minute. Suddenly, a figure emerged from the woods. It was tall and thin with elongated limbs and sunken eyes. It nearly looked like a person, but it just wasn't. It was... It's, it was just... Its skin was sickly pale. Its limbs were, like, unnaturally long. We froze right then and there, unable to move as it approached us slowly. We could smell its rotting breath. The stench made us gag. Finally, its eyes locked onto us, letting out an ear-piercing screech. We knew we had to run. We grabbed our bikes and pedaled as fast as we could, leaving everything at our campsite behind, hoping that it would be more interested in that than us. We did have some food cooking at the time. But the creature did not give a single crap about any of that. It was right behind us, its claws scraping against the ground as it chased us. We didn't dare look back, but we could hear it gaining on us at every second. Our hearts were pounding in our chest, and as we tried to pedal faster, it was like we were in a nightmare and couldn't wake up. Finally, we made it to a small cabin in the woods. We barricaded ourselves inside, hoping it would keep the creature out. But we could hear it scratching at the door, trying to find a way in. We spent the night huddled together, too scared to move, trying to keep anything we could in front of that door to block it. Every noise made us jump, and every shadow seemed to move. We were sure we were going to die that night. Luckily, as the sun finally began to show, we emerged from the cabin the following day and the creature disappeared. We never spoke of that night again but it stayed with us forever. We knew that we had encountered something beyond our understanding that was not of this world, and we knew that we were lucky to have made it out alive. As we pedaled our way down to the parking lot, we knew that we would never come back to this area, that's for sure, but we also knew what we saw. This was a Wendigo, without a doubt. A lot of us had heard stories growing up, but we never thought they were real. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true cryptid encounter horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. You can also submit them on Reddit via r slash thedarkswamp. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to help us out, slap that like button, be sure to subscribe if you're new and make sure your notifications are turned on because I upload brand new videos and all things natural and supernatural multiple times a week. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, absolutely free, you can download them from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. Thank you guys so much for supporting the Swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you guys. If you made it all the way to the end, I'd love to know what story tonight was your favorite. Be sure to comment the code word, Obscure Witch, to confuse anybody who doesn't make it to the end. As always, the funniest comment will get pinned at the top, and I appreciate you all. Be sure to join me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.